0: everybody, my name is Naomi, and I'm on staff here at the church. It's pretty cool. Uh, I'm gonna pray, and Miss Tana is our speaker. Carissa Loman is one of our stories, and Miss Tanya is also one of our stories. And we have Courtney, who's our recording there, she's helping us out as well. That's our team in this room, so we're very thankful for each one of um, our members. I'm gonna pray and then Miss Tana, Ms. Tana is gonna start. Also, if you have any questions, please write them down the cards. Um uh Miss Courtney, sorry. Just Courtney has the car, so she'll give you cards. car. It's right questions, and we'll get an answer at the end of the, the session. So I'm going to pray, we're going to start. God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for all that you doing in on this, God. God, we thank you because you have a word to release this afternoon, God. We bless Tana, Carissa, Sonia, God. We pray that the Holy Spirit will speak through them, God, that everywhere that will speak will be life-transforming to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Delicious. Good, good. Uh, well, if any of you have you, any of you ever been in a workshop that I've done before, any yeah, of you? So. Okay, maybe a couple of you. Okay, so I get really red and blotchy. Whether I'm nervous.
2: Or not. And then now that I'm forty-five, I'm
1: gonna get hot. So maybe okay. we can get another chair. And, and then I feel like I'm very disjointed yeah. in my head, so there's like a whole lot of notes going on in my brain. I feel like this is a subject that can go well and cannot go so well. And everybody who came in here has a preconceived idea of what this session is going to be about. And so I want you to throw all of that out and just let's just look at the bible and let's just talk through some things and um and just see what the holy spirit says to you i'm just going to share a little bit about what the holy spirit has shown me in my lifetime and what i continue to hope he's going to grow me in and the support stories are going to show you too what, what just what jesus has been doing in their life in this area because we live we can try to live it on our american culture which i i think it does play a part, but you know what, we're humans, and it's called humanism, and the world revolves around us, and um, that's how we see it often, and so I love where Carrie in the morning session, even today, just really laid some groundwork um, already of kind of this topic, and so we're just going to jump in, and um, I'm going to remind you the name of this session, it's called Practical Life, Balancing God's Perspective on Beauty, Fashion, Home, Possessions, in Light of the world we Live In. Our everyday, ordinary life. How do we live it the way God intends us to live it? That's the question I've been asking myself since I was assigned this role. So, uh, let me. This is going to be a little bit interactive. I am a small groups director here. Good <laughs> And um, I'm really good at it because except, except the slide earlier said it. So now it's like remembering. Okay. Um. But I love small groups, and so this is not quite a small group. There's a little more than eight to ten people in the room. Uh, But at times, I want you to be a little bit interactive. So I want somebody to be brave and tell me why, what about the title of this session made you come to this session? Shout it out. Practical. Balance.
3: I can hear you. Question. Fashion.
1: Okay. As you can see, I do not represent fashion. I have a T-shirt on and some, you know, and the same jeans I wore last night because they fit the best with my boots today, and I didn't want to wear sneakers. And although now I really wish I would have, because my boots are making me hot, because it's like sixty degrees outside. All right. Thank you. Anybody else? Why you came? Well, I'm gonna tell you. Say it again. Balancing. Balancing. That was my key word. I took out of this study too. Um, I want to first say this is not going to be a workshop where we're going to talk about you can wear this, you can't wear this. Your house should only be this many square feet. Uh, You should be only spending this amount of money on decorations or whatever. Or if you love Pinterest, that you're a heathen sinner going to the pin house. That is not what this is about. Now. If the Holy Spirit happens to say a little something to you about how much time you spend on Pinterest or how much money you spend on your clothing, that's between you and him, but that's not going to come from this crew right here. Okay? All right. So let's start with defining perspective. Uh, The dictionary defines perspective as the capacity to view things in their true relation or relative importance. The ability to understand what is important and what isn't. An accurate rating of what is important and what is not. Uh, it was interesting some point on this when I was looking at the de- definition that before the 1400s uh, in art when people would paint portraits and stuff they didn't have the concept of perspective and how to draw and paint that way so they just made certain objects bigger if they were more important and I thought huh we haven't really come too far in 2018 it's really the way advertisers work with us right they really make sure we know what's the most important thing, the most important message they want us to get. And um, thought that was interesting that that doesn't just come naturally, our perspective. Um, and today we use the definition, the way you see things as a result of who you are and what you do. So we're going to look at the Bible's perspective about us a little bit, all right? I thought about it this morning that I should have put all these verses in the PowerPoint, but I didn't. So I'll just read them to you. Uh, Genesis one twenty seven. So God created human beings in His own image. And in the image of God He created them. Jeremiah one five. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born I set you apart and I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Psalm one thirty nine. Very common verses thirteen through seventeen. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was even born. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Every single one of us in this room, we are God's very own possessions. That blows my mind. The little emoji with a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's still going on in 1 Peter. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into this wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. That reality needs to affect our practical everyday life. Okay, so then we're going to go on to some other scriptures. This is Jesus talking in Matthew, and he's um, at the Sermon on the Mount. Carrie hit on it this morning. So those first verses, I'm like, yeah, okay, I am royal priest, I am God's possession, I am made in God's image, yes, wonderful, so great. Then Jesus comes along and starts talking totally opposite. We're his chosen people, but we live for a God that works in a very different way. So now he's saying God blesses those who are poor, who mourn, who are humble, who hunger and thirst for justice, who are merciful, whose hearts are pure, uh, who are persecuted for doing right. Thank you so much. God blesses you when people mock you, persecute you, lie about you, say all sorts of things against you because you are my followers. If you're angry with someone, it's like you've killed them. If you look at someone with a lustful thought, it's like you've had an adulterous affair. If someone slaps you, turn the other cheek. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you that you just bought an incredibly great sale at wherever's the coolest place right now, H&M is pretty, pretty all right, maybe I'm right. um, sorry. Uh, go ahead and give them your coat also. Um, give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. So then I'm like reconciling, okay, wait a minute, so I'm royal, I'm like made in God's image, whatever, like I'm a princess. <laughs> uh, you know, like, I'm royalty, whatever, uh, but it doesn't really reconcile very much because um, who's like, you know, like, Kate and Prince, which one? William? Okay. William right? Like, we picture sure they're like their royalty, right? So shouldn't we, we're royalty like God's royalty? Shouldn't I be living pretty much like them? That's what's, like, going on in my head. But then I also have Jesus talking to me about, but blessed are the poor and those who are mourning, and those are like, how in the world do we reconcile what Scripture is saying to us if we have given our heart to the Lord and He's the boss of our life? How, how do we reconcile all this? And um, I tend, I, I, I kind of tend to see two different messages there's either the message of prosperity or the message of austerity. That was my fancy word. I had to text Carrie and go, what's that word again? Austerity. So basically, prosperity is kind of, I deserve it. Uh, Kind of that name it, claim it, because I am the king's daughter. Give me, give me, I, I, I. Then there's the austerity, where deny, deny, deny. Sell it all. Live in complete destitution, as lowly as I can get, in this kind of almost earn my salvation, earn grace, earn favor with the king. Kind of living down here kind of a thing. Um, And so, neither one can be the right place. There has to be balance. That's why I love that you guys caught on that. I love the word that Carrie put in the title of this workshop is balancing it. Because if all those great, wonderful things are evil, then it, then this workshop probably needs to be deliverance from all of our desires of those things, right? We're just going to come in here and smack it out of everybody. No, but it's balance. Because we see in the Bible that we are royalty, but yet there's something about living in a deny-your-flesh mm-hmm. mindset. Right? Okay, so then then I start looking at people in the Bible, look at Jesus. He didn't have a home, the Bible says he didn't even have a place to rest his head. But David, like one of Jesus one of God's favorites, has like the palaces and the wives and the this and the everything, and you're like, okay. So I would rather identify with David. <laughs> you know. Um, sorry, Jesus. Uh, Abraham, crazy <laughs> blessed, right? Joseph, he ends up going up the ranks. He's like right under Potiphar. I mean, he's like, he's he's living the life. He's practically, you know, Kate and Prince, whichever one we just decided. And, um, you know, look at God. He built for himself a temple twice, mind you. Beautiful, intricate, every detail, every gem, every gold, every this, every that. Beautiful home for himself. So the austerity message can't be right because if God is willing to build this big beautiful home for His himself, himself, then we made in His own image as His children can't. It, it doesn't reconcile, right? So we got to try to. Okay, so how, what do I? What am I supposed to do? I mean, there's so many more biblical examples, but I think what we have to get to. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead, but there is that need to. Def- Figure out and determine what our motive is, uh, the driving force, and my focus is, in my motive in austerity. I, you know, I. Why do I want to deny myself? And then the other side, why do I want it? Uh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm going to live. I'm blessed. I deserve that. Or I just, I'm, I'm just denying, deny. I'm earning my salvation. We, we obviously can sit here and go, yes, I want to be blessed and I live. I, I'm going to. I deserve to live blessed and I believe that truly. But I feel too in our human humanity, we have made blessed this word that is completely unbiblical. Right. It, it doesn't even have a biblical definition anymore.
0: Um,
1: and uh, we're motivated by a multitude of reasons. So this is my entertainment for you. Let's see if we can make it all work. Um, I was thinking about when we we're young. Like, do we do we? When you were little, did you really care much about your rank in society and you know? It's getting younger and younger now. Like when you care what brand you have on, and what you know. Can I wear makeup when I'm seven? You know those kind of things. <laughs> can I have an iPhone when
2: I'm four? You <laughs> know. Oh,
1: there you go. So when I was young, that's me and that's my brother. We lived in Mexico for a couple years as missionaries. I obviously uh, didn't care a whole lot. <laughs> That, That's, that gorgeous beauty right there with, with the this and the and the teeth and the bangs right there, like somewhere along the line I started to care, but I didn't care yet, right? <laughs> um so, some, then I got to this point where I was raised, and you know what, in, in our own filters in our home, when our parents come from, they bring things in and listen, you youngins in here, your parents are doing the best they can with the revelation of Jesus that they have in that moment, and we just are always constantly, from glory to glory to glory, learning who Jesus is, and being free of things and stuff we brought into our families and in our, into our what, how raising our children. I was raised in the time where it was absolutely, you just did not leave the house without makeup on. And you usually had proper lighting, and it took about two hours of so this process of getting these bangs with the aquanet and, and the thing right here. And some of our small towns are still doing that look. It's awesome. <laughs> and your eyelashes are probably curled, and you're this, and you're that, and that, not to say anything's wrong with that. But you, I did not leave the house without makeup. So then as I'm growing up, I can't... is cooking just cook
0: I know. Yeah.
1: Um, if you can't get it to turn down, when you call somebody? Because I am profusely sweating. I'm going to sweat off this makeup. We're talking about. But, but as I grew up, then it was I couldn't go to the gym. I had to make on if I went to the gym. If I ran errands and whatever, and it took a long time in my life to finally be like free of that. And now it's almost too free because sometimes I like you know walk in Hobby Lobby and look in the mirror and go, Oh, wow. I <laughs>
0: myself.
1: But, uh, but again, growing up like that, it created a fear in me that my worth and my value were based on my appearance, and it didn't start right there somehow we learn this along the way and suddenly it's not good enough to know that I'm made in the image of God and that I'm a royal priesthood and that I am his chosen person people somehow I needed to start doing something to change that and to earn that so I started looking at the things that maybe are affecting all of us we have a wide age range cultural background whatever so I'm not going to hit everything but um, let's see who are they? The oh. Kardashians. The Kardashians. Here. It used to be that we would say keeping up with the Joneses, and I don't even know who the Joneses are, but now we say keeping up with the Kardashians. Like, this Sunday morning. like All y'all want to just pick which outfit you want to do. <laughs> Because,
0: you know, you are royalty, you know? <laughs> Who's this? Oh. I had to ask
1: my daughter. Hey, somebody needs somebody relevant.
2: Yes.
0: And some of these images Listen, don't go searching for
2: her
1: images because a lot of those images I was like, oh, that's a trap. But this is influencing us how I picture myself, what I'm striving for. Look at those tape. Housewives. Because I'll tell you what, who in here is a housewife? Because my pants and my tank top that I wore to bed, uh, I, I still have on the next day, and then I realize, oh, it's like five o'clock, and my husband's coming home, and I have two, three little children. This was years ago. Did I even remember to brush my teeth today? But, but normally housewives, you guys should be looking like this. <laughs> perfect house, <laughs> What is the perfect house? This is the first picture that popped up. We all are living in a house like that. Just Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Beautiful mm-hmm. gorgeous. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: right.
1: Absolutely. Practical life at its best. How do we balance our possessions, our home, our beauty, our fashion? This is where we should be looking. Clean some more gorgeous. Okay, this, this is Jean's Spring Summer 2018. This is what we should be looking like. So, uh, <laughs> they
0: will, the like Okay, so take those. Okay, so this
1: is just a casual attire 2018. This perfect marriage. Because the weather is just perfect. She probably off camera has some candles, but because there's not an ounce of a breeze, She's perfect. The blanket is just cozy. They cannot just fight in the car. Oh! <laughs> Too many hours, then you suck as a mom. Uh, maybe you just don't have kids because this is what's important. Oh. We're not going to talk about her, but all y'all that says, Oh, I know who you know. This. <laughs> I thought I put shoes on you. Where are your shoes? Oh my gosh, your t shirt is on. Inside out. Is that like you just wore on Monday has been on your for two days? Yeah.
2: Okay, how about
1: this one? Did you buy a butt? God's image if you're the best woman you can be you're doing you're, you're lifted plates <laughs> <laughs>
0: actually
1: been so to play in my husband my whole life like it's not fair that I will never get to bench plates those are things that are important to me or a basketball that's not fair that's, that's me. but those are the things that were valuable to me um, okay what about so you should be doing hot yoga uh, you should be running marathons you should be killing it in crossFit. You should not only be doing Whole Thirty, but you should be doing an organic version of Whole Thirty. <laughs> and you need to roll out of bed with your amazing dewy, sun-kissed, makeupless skin and your messy hair, don't-care bun. That's perfect the first try. I know y'all do it like three, four, or five times before it comes out perfect, but but this is how I rolled out of bed this morning. <laughs> And here these are the standards that we live our life up against which one do I fit in which one should I fit in how come how come she looks like that how come she had four kids and she looks like that and I had two kids and I look like this suddenly made in the image of God is no longer valuable to us it's a problem uh, the images that we've been seeing right here line up to me. Actually, it was funny. I was looking for this scripture when I was talking to Pastor Walt last week and he was like, funny, I'm getting ready to use this in my sermon. So last week he used it First John 2 and it's the uh, scriptures about the three main temptations. First John two fifteen through 17. Do not love this world or the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see on Pinterest. A pride in our achievements and our possessions. These are not from the Father, but they are from this world, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Say that again,
0: Second
1: John. First John 15 through seventeen. So, what pleases God? Humble. Humbleness. more about caring more for
0: others. I will Our
1: hearts in faith. And walking in faith. In its simplest form, I wrote, what pleases God is kind of the same thing that pleases me when, with my kids, is when you do what you were created to do. Do what you were created to do, and you're pleasing God. Do what I asked you to do, child, and I am so happy. Right? So what was it that you were created to do? Somebody said it over here. Worship. Worship. Another way we see it in the Bible is bring God glory. We like to think that it's all about us and that he sent Jesus to save us from hell. He actually didn't send us Jesus to save us from hell. He sent us Jesus because he is God and he deserves all of the glory. Yes. And without Jesus, we don't know to get our act together and give God all of the glory. And then we just keep telling everybody else and telling everybody else so that he has to cross over from what uh, what he's doing to save me to it's all about him. How can I give you glory, God, because you alone deserve it. Yes. That's what it is. Woo. Psalm 46.10, you still and know that I'm God. Yes. We all love that part, and we leave off the second part. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Isaiah 43, 7, bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. 1 Corinthians 10:31. so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, even then the rest, do it all for the glory of God. Uh, currently, as a staff, we're in perspectives. If any of you are taking the becoming global Christian class, or have taken it? Anyone? 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 Olivia, Okay. So we're, as a staff, going through perspectives, which becoming a global Christian is kind of like the Cliff's Note version of taking perspectives. And um, I don't know how you say it in the show, Naomi. You know, perspectives is basically a learning perspective. <laughs>
0: Viewing life through the
1: lens of the kingdom. Viewing life. Through the lens of the kingdom of God's kingdom. That's it. Oh, good. Nice done. So uh, I've, I've been reading. Uh, we all we have to have all this all oh, this crazy reading we have to do every single week. Oh my gosh. But I'm really learning a ton. I love it so much. Um, and in this perspective study that I was reading this last week, we um, they were looking at and talking about uh, the Exodus and God coming and the Israelites and He tells Moses uh, to go to the Pharaoh and what is Moses told to tell him. Let, let, my people. People let my people go. So we, so Good job, you little <laughs> show offs. Good job. Most of us, for perspectives, knew it was let my people go. But the rest of that statement is so they can worship me. And, uh, you know, I, I when I read that, it's been since I started going through perspectives, it just is changing our whole
3: perspective on God,
1: why I'm here, who he is, kingdom-minded, kingdom-purpose, which then, if you're wondering why we're talking about all this and we're supposed to be talking about, you know, uh, house, possessions, fashion, because if I can't get to the very basic part of why I'm here and what this is all about, then it's gonna, it's gonna significantly affect why I want, why I dress, why I need makeup, why, why, why. So in Exodus, we look at how great and loving God is that he wanted to save his people he's such a wonderful God that is true but it's incomplete why did he want to save them you said it. so they can worship me is what he said right so we are we're blessed when we're blessed he's blessed and vice versa that's what it's about you know and we've all had an exodus experience if some of you are new to your faith in the Lord and you're like what the heck is she talking about we all have been lost and in bondage to our own sin just like the Israelites were in bondage in Israel we've all been there and God came and we allowed him to take charge in our life and we broke free from the bondage of that sin that's like an exodus experience for us our own personal exodus um, but we tend to sometimes stick right there, you know? Our purpose, our freedom, I'm finally free, he loves me so much, you know, all those things, but (coughs) it is so that we may bring him glory in everything that we do. It affects how we live our practical life, or at least it should. The questions we have to start asking ourselves then is what are we worshiping? And how are we worshiping him? So now we're starting to get to motive, right? That's where we're getting here. Do I want these things? To please and glorify, my, my, glorify myself. Like Carrie talked about. Women we dress for two two people groups. Men and other women. It's so true. It's so true. I have to think about what kind of seeing can't put everybody. Okay, is my pooch gonna be sticking out? Am I dress simple enough? But not like I just rolled out of bed and I'm just gonna to go to a soccer game. Uh, you know, it's this ridiculousness because I care about what you guys think about what I'm wearing because you're gonna sit here for 45 minutes and look at what I'm wearing. It's terrible. Isn't it terrible? We're supposed to be each other's best friends, you know? Anyway, that's, like, that's a side Okay, so am I dressing or do I want these things to please and glorify myself or others or do I want these things to be used as tools for his purposes? There is absolutely nothing wrong with being in fashion, with dressing beautifully, with taking care of your body, with having a beautiful home. Uh, it's, again, the motive behind it. Am I approachable? Do I dress that people feel like anybody can approach me and talk to me about their life, or do I suddenly look completely unapproachable and unrelatable, you know? Um, am I willing to give anything I have in a moment's notice? That's something my husband and I have talked about for the last 20 years we've been married, and he has led so well by example. When we first got married, uh, he had never heard about tithing before, yet he, he, he knew nothing about it, and. Uh, and I had my daughter already so we immediately when we get married we have a four-year-old that we're raising and I had my own house cleaning business Uh, that's what I had started um, with the help of some people to try to be able to support myself and my daughter and um, and he was a fresh out of school accountant so me with my house cleaning business made more money than he did as a fresh out of college accountant. okay and we had a daughter and like I was just telling the kids this the other day. So dad's car was an old Monte Carlo that um, was primer colored, like it didn't have paint on it. it was primer. <laughs> and it burned so much oil that if you were stuck behind and a green light, you would have been saying or had a red light, you would have been saying your big girl words. I don't care how long you've been saying it. You would have been saying some big girl words because you were dying of the fumes of what this car was burning. And somebody tried to break into that lovely piece. And uh Tried to steal the car but didn't know what they were doing and broke the steering column. And so then he would have to start it every day with a screwdriver. Aww. And he was going to work in his, like, you know, $100 suit. little suit uh, driving this car, you know? And um, why are we telling you this right now? Giving things away. Giving
2: okay. things
1: away. Right. Oh, yes, okay. So, <laughs> so sometimes I feel like people see see you now and they think oh she doesn't have the idea so oh, she doesn't have any idea. and they have no idea the journey that we've been on you know we like when I was growing up and my parents had just gotten off the mission field and my dad worked at a gas station while my parents were in Bible school and while my brother and I were in Christian school and he would bring home the leftover, uh, you know how they sell, sell like the Subway sandwiches, the Hoagie sandwiches, whatever, and donuts at every gas station you go to? Whatever was left over that they couldn't sell the next day, my dad would bring those home, and those would be breakfast and lunch for us. Or people would anonymously leave bags of groceries on our front porch. Mm-hmm. People look at us now, and they think I can't relate. And they think that I've never struggled or had anything in my life. And I'm like, oh, you have no idea. And most of us in this room can say that very thing. So. Uh, so the car situation, then as we were married and, oh, learning to tithe, that's what it was, um, tithing. He had never uh, learned about tithing, and I had said, hey, listen, when I was single with Kirsten, um, I, I knew that no matter what, even if dollar for dollar it didn't make sense, God is always our provider and we need to tithe, could you trust me in this decision? And he, being an accountant, said, uh, sure, uh, but that doesn't work on paper. And I said, I know, but let's do it, and we've never gone back, never, never, never. And uh, the side note to that is, God rewards ridiculous giving. You can never outgive God, never, 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 never. And I learned from one of the best, uh, and she happens to be one of our speakers. Um, you can't outgive Him. If He says, you know, if He says give, give, give your bed, then give your bed sleep on the floor for a little while, and he's going to provide you a bed. Um, or or he's going to provide you a, a free car register. Or <laughs> <laughs> you can know, like just have
3: to, and that's what I'm saying. Am I willing
1: to give anything at a moment's notice? And that came from my husband of really just of recognizing it. And so when we were talking about cars, we were a little further down the road, and we needed a car, but we were in deep in Financial Peace University. Anybody know that? Yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. So
1: Jay Ramsey. I can vividly remember saying to my husband that Dave Ramsey has basically become a swear word to me. If I have to hear this whole stupid cash in the envelope, I I'm gonna lose my mind. I'm gonna hurt somebody and I'm gonna lose my mind. I cannot do this. We are we have nothing. And now you're telling me we have to live even more nothing. And uh but why am I this, this is my world now. I probably thought I used to never, um, uh, a car. Yeah, ridiculously. We got, we were up, we needed a car. We had to have a car and I still had a house cleaning business and um, and we really needed a car. We had saved five thousand dollars and we were like okay God we need a car for five thousand dollars. Then I remember saying gosh if I could have anything I would love it to have leather seats like that it would be really cool and um, if like you know wow it would have heated seats <laughs> and I would love to have a moonroof because I love to look at the sky I love to have the windows down and music on loud and like that would be so amazing and it would be really cool if it was a Jeep
2: Cherokee <laughs> but guess what guess
1: what $5,000 God gave us a black which is my favorite color black Jeep Cherokee with leather heated seats and a moonroof All boom, bada-bang, and we drove it forever, and it became my daughter's first car until she finally wrecked it too many times. (laughs) And, And those kind of things for us was, again, God, if we just continue to submit to you and everything belongs to you, everything belongs to you, then whether he provided the Jeep or not, it had already been settled that he is my provider. But the fact that he did a nice, subtle reminder was, like, so amazing, and it just kept my husband especially, like, See, just obey, just obey, just obey, and, we, and we've talked about that over the years. Why I was saying that is I can remember. him saying like, you know, let's just say someday we have the money. Like I don't think I need heated seats. Like I don't, I don't need that kind of stuff. I'm like I agree, and I remember looking at him with such admiration because so many of us don't live like that. I deserve. A car with heated seats because that's what people have. And I deserve to be able to shop, blah blah blah. And I deserve to be able to have a house like this. And though that language has got to get out. It is so it is so hurtful to God to talk like that. Because we don't deserve anything. We don't deserve thing. He is so amazing and so wonderful. Uh, why do I want a house? This house. Why do I want this house? Why does it have to be this house? Um, what does God want to do with our home? That has been one of the questions. We just moved into our third home in our marriage, and this should hopefully be our final home. And unless God decides to take us to a mission field or something, you always have to give that disclaimer. Claim, always. Don't ever say I'm not going because you just never do it. But our our verbiage has now been, and again, if you remember what I do here, uh, how can we have smaller in this house? That has become our word for 20 years of how can we do small group in this house? And if we can't do effective small group in this house, then it's not the right house for us. Because everything has to be held with an open hand. And I know many of you in here already know that. And it's just reminding us to keep holding it open. Keep holding it open and let God do what he wants to do. I'm going to introduce to you Carissa, and she's going to share a little bit about her story.
3: to be here today. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Carissa Laman. I've been coming here for a little over seven years. Um, I'm married to John Laman. He's on the worship team and just celebrated our third wedding anniversary. So the, um, just in preparation for today, the passages of Scripture that the Holy Spirit highlighted to me were Romans 12, 2 through 8. When I started Coming back to church seven years ago, um, I started viewing everything differently, and how does a Christian see things, you know, what should I be doing, Um, but I really needed to shift my perspective to Christ's view as much as I could. Coming from a secular viewpoint, I wanted to get Christ's viewpoint. So, Romans 12, 2 is, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And just thinking of a practical application for that, uh, my good friend Naomi and I went shopping last year, and we devised what I call now the worship test. And I use this now most days. So, can you fully worship in the altar at what you're wearing? Can you raise your hands? Can I do this? Can I get down on my hands and knees? I don't ever want whatever I'm wearing to distract me or stop me from what God is doing in me or be a distraction to anyone around me. I don't need any, You know, people on stage, people behind me. Let's just... We're focusing on God. So you can look attractive and trendy without being the center of attention. Um, there's some. There's a lot of people that go here, and I don't really need to make name news, but there's a lot of people who do a good job of looking attractive without being the center of attention. Without, you know, going all out Forever 21 or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, you song, Yeah, I know forever. <laughs> <laughs> something that the Holy Spirit highlighted to me when Tana was speaking, I'll try to make it really quick so I can finish. What else is um, been identity? But I know a lot of women. We care a lot about what people think when they when we go out. And for a long time, I have been, everyone can relate. How does my hair look? From the front, from the back. How's my outfit look? From the front, from the back, from the side. You know, oh, you can see my roll here, so I'm gonna stand with this. And I'm gonna. And oftentimes, like, we'll be out and about, and something will pop up. I'm like, oh gosh, I don't, I can't go there, because I'm not dressed for it. I wanna be, the really perfect thing for the right occasion, and always. Just be on point for everything and feel comfortable. Well, I just am getting to a place where I want to be comfortable in my own skin, in what I'm wearing 100% of the time. So no matter where I am, whether I'm at the altar or I'm out at a sporting event or something, I can go wherever it is that I need to go and I can do whatever it is that I need to do. And just be, I want to get out of myself. I just go live life and stop worrying about it. So the rest of Romans 12 verses 3 through 8 is for the by the grace given to me to say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function So, though many, we are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So... The practical, my practical viewpoint of that is everyone has different personalities, blessings, and lives. Both in the church and outside of the church. I follow uh, fitness and nutrition Instagram feeds for inspiration. uh, But I have to be very careful about after I do it. Because if I start feeling negative and comparing myself too much and start feeling down on myself, gosh I'm like I keep I'm just never gonna get there I don't I I, back off of it I don't look at it or I unfollow or I take a break from it just recenter everyone is different and we need to be able to rejoice in our differences and celebrate the goodness of God in others while also celebrating it in our own lives I don't have the biggest rock on my finger, (laughs) and it's actually funny because I'm not even actually wearing my actual wedding ring today. I'm wearing a silicone quail ring. (laughs) Which I thought was an interesting story behind all that, but anyways, this is perfect. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. I don't have the biggest rock. It's all right. It's the ring that my husband picked out and proposed to me with, and he loves it. Um, I don't have a gorgeous HGTV house or even a house yet, we're still in an apartment. And as much as I would love to have Joanna Gaines and Habitat for Humanity show up and say, guess what, we're gonna build you a house and Joanna Gaines is gonna decorate it for you. <laughs> I receive see that. yes, Lord. <laughs> um, I have an amazing husband and a cozy apartment that is filled with things that are unique to us and are special to us. And we have two little cats that I love that act like children, they really do. I know they're not real children, though. Okay, don't come out. With <laughs> I know this, but I keep them up. <laughs> and I, I do believe that one day God will have a have a house for us. God will have the right house for us at the right time because we want to glorify Him with our lives. That is our ultimate goal. My husband's on the worship team, and his music is his ministry and he wants space to play the piano and play his drums and rock out with his amp like to the glory of god i would i would love i love hosting i love, lord help him i love to give i give above and beyond our budget which is why financial peace is terrible for me i'm working on it i'm working on it because we need to get to that place where we can bless others Um. So, like I said, our ultimate goal is that God is glorified in us and through us, and however that looks. It just looks different on everyone else. I'm
1: going to have Sonia go and share her story. And if you have cards, if you have questions, put them up in the air. If you want something, we want to hit on.
2: Otherwise, we're going to just keep talking. Thank you. My name is Sonia. For those of you who don't know me, uh, I, I am married, and I have three wonderful children. Uh, we moved to the United States in 2007, and God graciously and supernaturally brought me to a glad who is now, which is now, Good News Church, <laughs> I don't, don't want Pastor to come after me later, <laughs> which is now, Good News Church. In 2010, uh, and it became uh, our home church. We love it, and we love the people who are here, and we love what God is doing here. Mm-hmm. I want to share uh, two parts of my story, and I hope this will encourage each one of you today. Um, I will share in uh, John 8:32. John 8:32 say. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In this passage, Jesus is talking to us who believe, not to those in the world. In verse 31 of John 8, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciple. True disciples are more than being smart, or having degree or having beautiful and big houses. Just like Ms. Toner was saying earlier, those who are... Real follower of Christ will hold to his word, and obey the word, and put the word into action every day and in every season and step of their life. My first testimony will be about my our home. Since we came to the United States in 2007, our dream is to, back, to have a house. But God's plan is another plan for us. And... Um, before 2013, I felt like the, the devil started putting my head. I know that God, I believe in God and I trust in God. I know that he's my provider and I have a strong faith. And for me, I felt like God doesn't make sense. I need a home, you know. I don't want to live in someone else's apartment anymore. I need a home. And this thing starts craving me my heart like it is like a food. I need it, I need it, I need it. But God has his plan because he's doing something that I did not understand at that time. So in 2013, we began the process of buying the house. And uh, shortly after, we heard uh, that our oldest daughter will receive a heart transplant. And at that moment, uh, the insurance that we have will not allow us to do the transplant here at Children's Hospital. So we were kind of... Jogging between, are we staying in Nebraska, or are we moving out of Nebraska? So we decided to drop off uh, the process of buying the house. And uh, after we dropped the process, we, 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 we started going after, pray, uh, through prayer, we believed that God can heal our daughter. So we decided to wait upon the Lord. And in this, during all this time, we were in two-bedroom apartments. And I, after we decided to wait on God to see God's miracle in our daughter, in 2014, we decided again. I said, I need a home, God, and I need you to provide a home so we can make our daughter comfortable. One night, I was praying and crying on the middle of night, like I was living in the street. You don't want to be around me when I'm praying. (laughs) One-on-one with God, you know? I was crying like I was living in the street, but I was not. I had place to live in. And then the person stepped, come into my room full of light around, and he come and touched me in a dream. It was like a dream because I pray and I scream until I fall asleep in my living room floor. And he touch me he said i am your dwelling place so and and then when he said that, and after i woke up from the dream for me i said that's it because he showed me a picture too i said that's it God is my dwelling place. That means he's going to provide me my home. So I become, I become so excited. If you know me, you know, for those who knows me. And I start living with great expectation from 2014. See, that's it. I have my house. So we start the process again. And then everywhere I go, I will tell the real estate agent, this is the house I want. This is what God showed me. That's what I want. But it's, it's, it's something spiritual that was happening. And I was moving in the physical realm. And then one day I was driving, and then the Holy Spirit brought to my heart again about the same dream. Can you? Tr- uh, I am your dwelling place. Can you trust me, Sonia? So I felt like, oh, I need to trust God. You may thought I got it? I didn't get it. I see going after that. But long story short, God did His way in our life. And we stayed in that two-bedroom apartment when our daughter was there sick with a congenital heart disease. We stayed there until she got her heart transplant. We stayed there. God shut off all the doors. It's time when we go after to get the house, something will always happen, and we will bounce back again. And it's after three years that our daughter received the heart transplant that God was able to provide the earthly home. That we, I am craving of for him is my identity is not in my home. My identity is in him, and he's doing something. He he's truly our dwelling place. Regardless, we believe in the we see it through it in the physical realm or not. And he did an amazing job through my daughter. For those of you who know her, uh, the second story is about how I dress up. When I, 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 the first credit, I would give it to my mother. I thank God for a mother who raised me up, who taught me to live a godly way, to dress up for God and not for anybody else. And then until when I came and I, I met with my husband, he's a, a man of stylish men, his profession he does clothes. So he wanted me to look professional all the time, whether I'm at home or not, this is kind of what Ms. Turner was sharing earlier, because it's his profession, so he wanted, that's what he wants. Yeah. So, but when we moved to the United States, I felt like, no, honey, I cannot continue doing this, <laughs> because when I go to church, people around me doesn't look like me, so I still feel it, uncomfortable. And I, I decided to not identify myself with him anymore. Only one day, I was going to church with him. He dressed up so nice with his suit and everything. Because this is what he has passion on. And we, we are guilt, literally, from the way going to church and coming back. I was so upset to, with him. We went to church. I didn't even sit by him at church that day. Because I felt like, what people would take him out to me? Then I came home. Then something I like don't listen about God. Each time when I try to get mad at my husband about something that I thought he gonna rebuke him, God never does the way I want. Him. <laughs> so that, that night, I slept and then God really show up to me many times in dreams. So I had a dream. In the dream, I was sitting in the court of my house uh, outside and I was cooking. And as I was cooking, there is a man in the dream who came and he brought me a meal. And the mail, I opened the mail and the mail said uh, the president of the country I was living in in the dream invited me to come to meet with him. So, I, and, and I, after I opened the, the, the mail and I closed it and I run quickly in the dream, I want to take a shower and I get into my closet. And I choose one of my husband, the clothes that my husband bought for me or made for me and I never wear it before. And I choose one of those clothes and I wear it. And there is a time in the letter, and the, the letter said, there is a limousine that will come and pick me up at a certain time. And I was waiting outside, waiting for the limousine to come in my beautiful dress. Guess what? No limousine show up. And there is a man who show up in the dream to me, and he said, you look very nice, and I want you to wear your nice clothes every day. I am your president. So I, when I woke up from the dream, I said, oh, so, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I thought you got to rebuke at for dressing so fancy all the time, you know? But no, God, God doesn't do that way. And later on, I learned in uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 14 that our body is the temple of God. And I said, if truly, that is my revelation, if truly our body is the temple of God, we should not wait for any special occasion before dress up nicely, if we have a cloth. My point is, I have it, it's not that I don't have it, and He blessed me with it all the time. But I don't want to use it because I feel like I don't want to identify myself with other people. But that is where God is calling me to be at this moment. So that is my story, and I hope this uh, will help each one of you in your journey with Jesus. Our body is truly the temple of God. And the other testimony I want to share, and While she, we, I was, we were getting ready. She said something about hair. In last year, I think, uh our hair, from the hair to the toes, belong to God's. Yes. And if anything we want to do in this body, glorify God. Go for it. Yes. Last year, I decided to cut my hair because I want to support a cancer cause. And my flesh started telling me, why would you cut your hair? What people will think about you? La, 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 la. Even though my husband me, gave me okay to go do it. Then I stood up in my, my bathroom mirror and I started looking at myself saying, okay, what will I look like if I cut all this hair now? Because I cannot cut and make it fancy. I want to support the cause, so I have to cut it completely. But the God spoke to me, saying, I am bigger than what people think. And he's truly totally bigger than what people think. Go ahead and do it. And I went off and I cut my hair completely. And I believe he gave glory to God. Now I start braiding my hair back again. So that's my testimony. Thank you so much for being here.
1: I hear when I listen to the girls talk, <coughs> excuse me, is and in like especially listening into Sonia's dream, her dressing for the president, and the key in that in that wasn't that she was buying this big beautiful gown and whatever for anybody else, but for the president, and in her dream, and that our motivation again uh, has to be for God alone and His glory, not. To make myself feel better not to make myself feel like I can uh, compete with the big dogs or whatever and there, you know there's the flip side too so we, t- we start out talking about austerity whatever you know if I if I don't take care of this body this temple of the Holy Spirit that God gave me and like take a shower and wash my hair sometimes and, and bless wow and, and put on some clean clothes you know I can't be doing much for the kingdom either because nobody even wants to come over and talk to me you know and so there has to be there has to be again the key word in this workshop is the balance of that of, of, of what how we carry ourselves our home okay I my first home uh, we bought in Benson and um, God was so here let me back up it was a chicken coop <laughs> Next to it was the farmer's house, um not <coughs> even know, over in Benson, and, and then we were what was the chicken coop, and then they kind of like remodeled that and made that and added on some things and made it a house. Uh, so it started out with that detail that also had a murder-suicide that had taken place in that house, and that was the first house that got provided for me. Yep. <laughs>
0: You know, you guys watched too many movies,
1: it was all clean, it didn't look like a murder suicide, it just happened, but I knew the background and then I get to meet the neighbor who was the one who found them oh. in the house and like you know I get to hear all of this or whatever and be like, This is my home, this is my home. Well, some of you know Pastor Howard and Patsy Rice, who used to be on staff here, and I had called them and said, Pastor Rice, you know, my whole life I've been raised where like you come in and you and you like when you have a new home and you and you pray over it and you anoint the doorpost with oil, and I don't want to just do that because people do that. I, I wouldn't know why I'm doing that, and do we still do it today, blah, blah. So Pastor Rice and Patsy came over, and some of our dear friends at the time, um, came over and kind of explained it, and we prayed over this house. And Patsy, I remember still, still saying, uh, she spoke right, she knew exactly where I was. Spirits do not dwell in houses, they are, you know, by the people, whatever, you need to not be afraid, there is nothing that's in this house, this is your home, God's home, and God's gonna do great things in this home. And we lived in that house for 10 years, and for eight probably seven to eight of those ten years every single sunday night we hosted a youth small group that had 20 teenagers in our house every single sunday for seven or eight years and god can take a murder suicide chicken coop that cost you know like i don't know seventy four thousand dollars i think was our first house or something like that and he because we submitted that house to him he can do mighty things in that house and he started a family in that house where Kirsten didn't didn't have a father and now Nate has become her father and brought our family and united our family together and brought children home to that family who are now growing and loving Jesus. So we have to make sure that we're not uh, comparing ourselves to what everybody else has and forgetting that what God wants to do he will do if we submit it all to him and can believe that even in this crazy, ridiculous house, he's somehow going to be able to do his ministry. And that's what we really I really want us to focus on instead of focusing on Pinterest and Joanna Gaines and, oh, I'm so tired of the pressure. I mean, I listen to my daughter who's now 24 and married and raising her first child and the pressure you guys are under to be these stellar moms and decorators and wives and and whole 30 and organic and da 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 da, da. it's like you got to shake that junk off. Yes. You are a child of God. You are royalty and and you need to let God do what he's going to do in you and be okay with whatever station he has you in in that season. Yes. Those seasons are moving. They're fluid. And just to remember that, Satan doesn't really care which lane you're on in the freeway to destruction. Some may choose the lane of misused beauty and greed, while others may choose that of self-denial and es- asceticism. whatever you have, whatever you say, whatever, um, whatever Austerity, but they're saying it is an isn't isn't asceticism. Anyways, I can read it, but not read that loud. Um, Satan will openly tempt some to commit sin and immorality, while others he will deceive with overly strict rules and regulations. The distinguishing characteristic of the way of folly is that it begins with the rejection of God and with the refusal to fear the Lord. Satan allows men to be very creative in the way they go to hell. He does not care how you live so long as you live trusting in yourself rather than God following your own way rather than the narrow way of wisdom that came from a part where I'm not going to get to today but when I was first praying about whether I was going to say yes to caring about leading this workshop God took me to Proverbs 7 chapter 7 through 9 and if you go home and you have some time and look at that there are two polar opposite women in those chapters right there there is the adulterous woman and then lady wisdom right there side by side and um, you know I don't I don't have time today but the old me who didn't know who I was who didn't have value in my own self I used whatever I could to feel valuable and feel loved so that was uh, that was using my body the best way I could I wasn't out sleeping around being crazy but if you did the math right there somehow I did get myself in a little mess because I had my daughter before I was married to Nate, but but I used all that just to try to be loved and feel valuable and feel beautiful, um, and that's all—that's all, that's all Satan needed to do was make me not know who I was in Christ, and I could just get myself just a little step over here, and gosh, he's so nice. Gosh, I love what he's saying to me. Yeah, he doesn't know Jesus, but it's okay. He is just making me feel wonderful and he's making me feel valuable. And then suddenly, before you know, I'm on the road to destruction. Any questions yet that have come in? But we'll keep talking. Yes, ma'am. Who said that last quote that you read? The last quote about... The Satan doesn't really care? Yeah, about no fear of God. and. Like uh, the distinguishing characteristic of the way of folly is that it begins with the rejection of God, with the refusal to fear the Lord. Satan allows men to be very creative in the way they go to hell. He does not care how you live so long as you live trusting in yourself rather than God. We have some to, too, right? Okay. Uh, I have one more example
0: I'm gonna give but I'm gonna get to some of these questions first and so I'm gonna end with her uh, with my the question is how do you suggest guiding your teen your teen daughter to turn away from pleasing cares with our parents and turn to pleasing God? Teens today. Teens today, um, are experiencing a great deal of pressure to conform to all the expectations of you, which is often, often toxic. So pretty much the question is, how can you help your teenagers during the season?
2: Uh, what I usually do is um, I try to, like weekly, Every Sunday we have kind of a uh, time together, and my children, my daughter, and my—I have—I'm blessed to have my sister also with me, living with me now. Uh, they will tell me what has happened throughout the week, at school or at church or any way, and then we take a time to pray into it, and also because uh, I have a devotion that I, I bow and I give to each one of them. And a daily they will read and test me what they read, whether we read it together or not. So we, that's how we pray together a lot. Like every morning, I try to pray with them. And all I can say is to prayer. To prayer and give them advice. Sit down and listen to them. I know today we are very busy. Like Miss Turner was saying, not be cut with your professional job or whatever. And not give time to your children. Give them time and listen to them. Sit down and listen to them.
1: The only thought I have is that yes yes and yes and um, some of the best wisdom given to me as I was raising my daughter I now just have boys at home but um, I have to think about her too Um, I one of the best advice no wisdom I was given was I cannot I need to be careful that I don't take so much credit when things go well when things go bad and take so much responsibility when things go well because it also means i'm taking too much credit when things go well with her can i just say it backwards again anyways my point my point being our job before god is to lay those children on the altar and just say god they are yours i am a steward i will continue to speak truth as you reveal it to me holy spirit open my eyes to see things that i need to see that are going on in her life that i can't quite figure out daughters we were them we know uh when, when we need to we'll lie straight face right to you right to you look you right in the eye and you think you're having a moment and they are just they're trying to do def- they're trying to wrestle out the very thing that we're wrestling in here as grown women they're wrestling out too with no maturity no experience no whatever in a very tumultuous world and so the you, you keep having those conversations. You keep praying with and for them and, uh, and believing that they don't have to go through all that. They don't have to. It's not like a t- every teenager has to go through this rite of passage. And at the same time, balancing that with if they do struggle, then that does not suddenly mean that you're a bad parent and that you failed and that you have to remember that um, you, the more you set the example, you know, I, I will say I, I do take ownership of some of the very things that Kirsten struggled with younger is because I had was still doing this, right here. So, the things I was saying, how I saw my own body, if I thought I was overweight, all the things that were obsessive to me, or we didn't have enough money that I could buy the clothes that I wanted, or blah 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 blah, talking about those things in front of my daughter, what was it doing? Fostering the very thing I said I didn't want to foster in her. Those are the kind of things we
3: have
1: to be really, really aware of in our
3: conversations with our children. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am, I'm so sorry. Really quick, I don't have children myself, but my best friend's daughter is 13, and I'm very close with her, and she was getting bullied at school and bullied on social media, and when she told me about it, I felt very helpless because I love her dearly, and I can't do anything about it. And her mom was trying, doing everything that she could do to get the situation resolved at school. And um, it is resolved now that the teachers and the principals, they were not very receptive at first. And so it's a very difficult situation to know that someone you love dearly. You cannot, I can't go to school with her. I can't beat up with a 13 year old. <laughs> I don't want to. But you I know, mean? It's like you have that, it's like, she's not my child, but i got a mom of that instinct with her. And she was my junior bridesmaid. And I just, so I just prayed. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. I pray for her all the time. But what I also intentionally do is every time I talk to her, I tell her how much I love her. I tell her how beautiful she is and it may sound like an after school special but I tell her you know you are perfect just how you are you really are she was in gymnastics and she's got little broad shoulders and I was like you know don't don't let anyone make fun of you for that like those are awesome yeah like that's what people lift plates for intentional like every woman just wants to be told how beautiful and worthy and valuable they are and so if you know me at all you know that I am very free with telling people how awesome I think they are all the time. I will
1: say what Chris is doing too is she's not her mom. Your daughters, our daughters need women who are not their moms, who are speaking life into them, because there's a point where we can't hear from our mom, you're supposed to say I'm pretty, you're supposed to say Mm -hmm. you believe in me, you know, and we need to hear it from somewhere else, they need to be in youth groups, they need to be plugged in a church, they need to be in a small group, You need to be paying attention to the circle of friends that they're in, who they're Snapchatting, who they're Instagramming, who they're Facebooking, who they're whatever, 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 (laughs) pay
0: attention to the voices that are coming into them. Okay, next question is, how can you reprogram your brain from working out so much to look a certain way? How do I enjoy life, not worry so much about how I feel if I don't work out or eat, or eat healthy? Uh, wait, if I don't look, if I don't hold on. let's continue. So I feel like if I don't focus on working out or eating healthy, I won't look a certain way. But I know it's an unhealthy way to think, how do I, how do I live a healthy life, really? Okay. Yeah. So I, <laughs> so I I take this question because that's what I do as a job pretty much, sorry. Um okay, so the thing about um eating healthy and all that, it begin it begins by breaking those thoughts of life in your mind. That's where it starts from is, okay. And Miss Tom already talked about it. Okay, what does God think about? It? So it starts. With, uh, Taking away those thoughts of, I have to look this way, I have to be pretty, I have to look like the girls on Instagram. I have, I, write down all the thoughts that I have in your mind that are distorting your view of thinking and acting. That's where it begins. And then begin to write write down the things that about, God thinks about you. So, what does God think about me? He said, I'm beautiful and wonderfully made. What does God think about, you know, how he made me? You know, God makes me a little bit wider hips. enjoy the wider hips, you know? If God made you a little and just write down the way God write down things God has made about you and enjoy. On a different note, eating healthy and excellent is good for you. Don't overdo it. And you always know when you, you, you eat that donut and you feel like you have to go run a mile. That's bad thinking. And so be able to start learning how to recognize those bad thoughts that come into your mind. If you feel like you have to go on a run after eating a donut, go sit down and watch a movie. Like, just do not <laughs> Like, do not, if you, if you need help, call me. I will sit on you. <laughs> yeah, so so a lot of it is that there's so much distorted thinking. And if you, just like something to go to counseling for, so we can help you reprogram the way you think. It might be something more than just like, you know, something you just get into. But get maybe some counseling, some help that will help you change the way you think. Because that's where everything starts. Okay? Yeah
2: your true identity is in Jesus Christ it's not in what you are eating is not in your home is not in your, what you are wearing but your true identity is in Jesus Christ everything else is compliments and that's where the the, the negative the
1: pessimist side of me the realist side of me says yep and yep but I still don't believe it yeah. we all say that yeah. and I so uh, the question has to come back do I trust God right. do I trust you it, do I believe what Scripture says? Do Do I believe it? And there's a point where the rubber meets the road. You just have to make the choice. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have to choose to believe it until I believe it, and then it comes naturally. No, actually, I don't. I no, I don't know that it always comes naturally. I think the enemy still always knows. He knows exactly what to do to get in my brain. So I have to continue to fight that. It's a choice. It's a choice.
0: This is a good question. Would feeling confident while wearing makeup, doing your hair and dressing up account of glorifying God.
2: I think so. If you feel confident about it and if God bless you, oh. you don't want to go get to something that you cannot afford, you know? Just do it. It glorifies the name of God. God is a God of beauty. He's a lovely God. He wants to see his children. One day, my husband, I was going out to do evangelism, and I just wear some stuff, and he said, "Who oh, gonna believe me? And God say, Why are you going to face you because he's all about dressing up. You know him, right? in your Jesus or in your God, the way you are dressing, they'll say, oh, if your God is that poor, why would I say to you? And I say, honey, that's not about that. I would just say, I felt both sides okay. of it. I felt
0: uh, like there could
2: be
1: condemnation
0: for
3: going out with a fresh face like really done up and I felt like oh if I show up at this particular place with all my makeup on or in a certain outfit like I'm going to be judged for being done up or, you know or whatever you know how we overanalyze yeah. 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 and you know what however you are feeling that makes you feel confident to the glory of God and go on about your day it's a daily relationship with Christ,
1: so it's asking, God, is this becoming a problem for me? Is this an obsession for me? Am I okay with me, or am I trying to change something or fix something? On a regular, consistent basis, keep asking yourself those questions and everything. Whether I'm going to Hobby Lobby and suddenly my house doesn't look quite right, and I need to have this and this and this, whether I'm going to buy makeup or, you know, everything. Whether you spend lots of money on your makeup, whether you spend a little bit of money on your makeup, Uh, I spend spend little on my makeup, but that's my own personal conviction. That's just for me. Uh, Tithing is the first thing right there. If you're not tithing, you better get your act together right now. If God is telling you to give above and beyond your tithe, which I can almost about guarantee He is, because there's a big mission out there that needs to be me done that comes above our tithing. But anyway, don't get me started. Giving, giving, giving. God, if this that I'm buying from Mary Kay is taking away from that, you would rather me give that money here? Then tell me, and I'm listening. Always, always, always. Just that's what I mean. That's what Nate and I always are just saying. Like, I want to hold everything with an open hand. God. God just gave my husband and I a new home. And I've been in there two weeks today. And um, it's ridiculous, it's, it's ridiculous, it's ridiculous. But I sat my kids down and I made sure that they knew that this house is for God's glory only, period. And if, if he asks us to give this house away, I will give it away, I will give it away. And Nate and I both go the same way. And it's almost to the point that we're almost embarrassed Quite frankly, that we have it, and I don't want to live there, right? I want to live like, holy cow, he blessed us so big, but I want to balance that with, for your glory only, for your glory, for your glory. And if my kids are growing up thinking that they're little rich kids, I will. I will send them across the ocean, and they're going to do some mission work for about a good year, and then get their act together. That's that's where we're at. To live with nothing, and we can enjoy the blessing of God. God built that big, beautiful temple. He cares about those big, beautiful things. I'm going to really quick before we run out because I feel it's important to tell you Esther. All I keep thinking about is Esther in the Bible. She was so beautiful and charming that the king chose her. It is not that she was. Clever in the way she got what she wanted out of the king by wearing her best gown and standing in the right light. Like, If you read Esther, it was like a whole like year or something, they had to go do these special baths and oils and whatever, like, we're like, I spent 45 minutes getting ready this morning. Oh, they spent like a year getting ready for the king. And, and exactly, and standing in the right light, if that were the case, she could have just been passed off as just another ditzy dame. But more than her beauty and charm were her five little words that she's known for. If I perish, I perish. That's when Esther expressed her magnificence. Esther had no idea what God was going to use her for. All she knew to do up until that time was to be a woman, to be the best woman she knew how to be. Perhaps she didn't even know that she had it in her to say, If I perish, I perish. I think women in their frantic search for self-fulfillment and identity today fail to stop and look at God's overall plan for their lives as women. It's what she did with her beauty and position and possessions and fashion. If I perish, I perish, but I will utilize all the things God has given me for his purposes, period. Perspective changes both our view and our attitude. I must accept the limitations that are forming me into what God called me to be. My limitations may be mundane, not glamorous or noble, something a maid could do. I've been a maid. I must commit myself to look at the opportunities and limitations of my family, home, washing, cleaning, illness, whatever it is, and see them as the sun, rain, and food that will grow me into what the Lord has designed me to be. We must not become women who have lost the overall perspective of God's plan, who are looking for significance rather than magnificence. That is amazing. One final Elizabeth Elliot quote. The fact that I'm a woman, does not make me a different kind of Christian, but the fact that I am a Christian does make me a different kind of woman. For I have accepted God's idea of me, and my whole life is an offering back to him of all that I am and all that he wants me to be. What kind of woman will I choose to be? Can I be beautiful and have things and have great style? Do I need heated seats? Am I envying those who seem to have all of that? Some of these things, if we don't have them, they're creating worry and anxiety, jealousy, doubt. Is that where you find yourself right now? We need to take this to Jesus and let him heal and free us to worship him, no matter our station in life. That was back in those Dave Ramsey days, too. If I had to accept where God had me and get a hold of that jealousy, get a hold of it, get a hold of it. Because we also don't know what's going on in that person's life. We think that they might have it all and all together and they might be dying inside. Am I following his command to tithe and give? You cannot outgive God. We need freedom from any perspective other than the Lord's. Esther, she's just so amazing, right? So amazing. Um, Do we have another question we want to hit on? Or do we need to go? Anything else? Anyone else have something? just going to pray for you. God, I thank you for this time together. If there were questions that you had or you wanted to talk about it, you can come up and talk to any one of us after this. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that we are beautiful and fearfully and wonderfully made. God, I thank you that you took the time to form Eve so beautifully in the garden. You took time to form that beautiful garden for her to live in, her first home. God, I thank you that you care so much about everything that we do and breathe and and, um, feel and enjoy. God, the other day when you had the hugest moon ever rising at the same time as the hugest orange beautiful sun was setting, you reminded us that you do care about beautiful things. You do care. But God, we just give it all to you and trust you to teach us how do we balance this, God. We We want to be like Esther she 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 was the best woman she knew to be holding everything that she had in open hands. saying god if i perish i perish but to you all glory god that's what we want to be god if you want us to give it all away if you want us to go on the mission field if you want us to start tithing and giving offerings that just seem ridiculous on the budget god may we be listening and doing what you want us to do god may we honor you You are so worthy and faithful and just so gracious and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.